Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu. Our third speaker this evening is Ms. Kelly Zug, who is presenting on challenges of the millennial generation towards the future of U.S. national security. Kelly Zug is an MA candidate in statecraft and national security affairs at the Institute of World Politics graduating this May. Before studying at IWP, Kelly worked in international development in Eastern Europe and taught English with the Fulbright program in Bulgaria. Her studies at IWP have focused on Russian influence operations in the information space and the reemergence of Russian active measures in Europe. Kelly. Good evening. Today I will be presenting on the millennial generation and certain challenges uh, that their attitudes and behaviors present to the U.S. Uh, to U.S. national security. Um, before I start, I would just like to note that this is certainly not supposed to be a shot at the millennial generation. I myself am a millennial with aspirations to work in the national security field. Um, however, I wanted to explore certain millennial behaviors and attitudes, especially in the information space, as they may present challenges to the U.S. intelligence community and other decision makers of the national security apparatus. I became fascinated with this topic in my counterintelligence for De democratic societies course after reading the 2016 Rand Generation Report entitled The Millennial Generation Implications for Intelligence and Policy Communities. This report used 1980 to 2004 as a range in defining this generational cohort. So I use the same range in my research. Currently, that makes millennials between the ages of 15 and 39. So why does this matter? The Rand Report says that 2015 marked a pivotal year for the millennial generation since it was the first year that millennials outnumbered baby boomers as the largest proportion of the U.S. population. Millennials are also entering in roles of leadership and decision-making roles in the national security apparatus, including the U.S. government, the U.S. intelligence community, and the U.S. armed services, but also as members of Congress, voters, organizational leaders, and heads of the private sector. Each of these roles affects the national security of the United States, whether impacting its funding, oversight, operations, support, and the way that we perceive global and domestic threats to the interests of national security, interests of the United States. Excuse me. Additionally, evaluating generational differences, communication styles, forms of association may help the U.S. government understand the perspectives, competencies, and capabilities of its leaders of tomorrow. The RAND study does a deep dive on how the U.S. national security apparatus should approach the hiring, retention, and engagement of millennial employees in these various ways. And one of the most concerning parts of a, few, of a 2018 RAND survey was that this generation worries less about national security than past generations. So in looking at this RAND Corporation report, I wanted to expand on this realm, but specifically in the communication and information space and looking at the ways that millennials communicate, and also how they perceive and use information. So in a part, apart from using the social media space for, for building social connections, millennials also use the social media space for, for knowledge and understanding of global and domestic de developments. Additionally, 
this survey by the Institute of Politics at Harvard University seemed very concerning to me um, in looking at the view of Edward Snowden. I'm certainly not going to do a deep dive in the Edward Snowden affairs, but in looking at this graph, what this tells me is that the millennial generation is very confused on the role of information and the threats of unauthorized disclosures and how that impacts our national security. And they're very divided on this, on this issue. This confusion really risks uh, presents a risk in itself to the U.S. Uh, to the future of national security. So I wanted to focus on the information and communication space. Um, information is vital to national security for a number of reasons. Information helps the U.S. public stay informed to understand the reality of the global threats. The U.S. intelligence community and the U.S. government needs to protect U.S. secrets and sources of methods, and also specifically in the role of the U.S. intelligence community to provide the most timely and accurate information to to help decision makers make informed decisions to protect national security. So in looking first at, uh, before jumping in, looking first at defining certain influences that have um, impacted the millennial generations and their upbringing. Um, I had I've identified three in my paper that I think most pertinently apply to this issue. So firstly, millennials grew up in, or growing, are growing up in the era of big data which includes 24-7 news, wide use of social media, and really the reality of information overload. In the realm of national security, this reality of information overload has become the new fog of war, Clausewitz's term for the uncertainty in situational awareness. Because unlike the Cold War, when US adversaries like the Soviet Union tried to block the flow of information and ideas into its sphere of influence, we live in a world where the excess of information and extent of likes Trends, fake news, cyberbots, trolls make it hard to uncover the truth and facts. Secondly, social media is being used as a new space for democratic political participation. This is in addition to its use for communication, self-expression, sharing, and forms of association. What has, this has given rise to is mundane practices in, de in the definition of political participation. Now suddenly this includes commenting on political blogs or changing the flag behind your Facebook photo. This mundane participation online has given rise to weak political ties or slacktivism. The idea that liking or retweeting, which involves no to little effort, might be perceived by the user as pursuing meaningful action in the political participation space. Using social media in this realm prevents vulnerabilities for national security. Adversaries can reach the U.S. public directly and try to shape public opinion. This is the main reason why Russia continues to target the virtual realm for its information. This offers direct access to U.S. citizens. Thirdly, in looking at defining world events in the, in the upbringing of the millennial generation, the two that I think are most pertinent to this research study are the 2013 unauthorized disclosures of Edward Snowden and the Russian interference in 2016 U.S. election. I will go into these farther later on. So in looking at the scope of my presentation and taking a, a tidbit from my uh, research, I decided to focus on two areas for this presentation, the millennial relationship with information and the emotional reasoning and area of social media. So I will now address different behaviors and attitudes that we see in these two realms. So firstly, in looking at millennials' relationship with information and the role of information and its use, um, and how this generation perceives this. There are three key behaviors that we see in the millennial generation that differs from former generations. Firstly, millennials believe strongly in the empowering nature of the free flow of information and how it spreads democracy. 
Throughout their lifetime, millennials have continuously observed how the free flow of information can empower individuals globally in the fight for freedom and democracy. In studying the Cold War, millennials witnessed how the West used the free flow of information with initiatives like Radio Free Europe as a way to permeate the closed walls of the Soviet <laughs> states and empower citizens to take back their freedom. During the Balkan Wars, millennials saw the power of emails in planning mass protests against exploitive governments. Serbians used this means to organize against President Milosevic and ignited color revolutions in other states, demonstrating the power of the internet for civilian association and communication. Thirdly, millennials witnessed how social media could help coordinate protests in the Arab Spring to overthrow dictatorships. Conversely to this free flow of information, the reactions of state leaders to block, manipulate, or limit the free flow of information is viewed exclusively as what dictatorships and totalitarian states do to exploit their population and prevent freedom of speech. What makes the Snowden disclosures and the Russian interference in the 2016 election most significant in the lifetime of millennials is that they are for the first widely covered instances of how the free flow of information can threaten U.S. national security, which completely juxtaposes against this promoting democracy and, and human rights. These cha the challenges of this devotion to the free flow of information has exacerbated the need to balance between secrecy versus transparency in a U.S. democratic society. It also may lead millennials to take security measures as less seriously, um, which, which restrict the release of U.S. national security secrets or respect the need to know compartmentalization of the intelligence community. Secondly, in this relationship of information, is the use of social media as a political participation space, but also has how it has become a virtual, pure form of democracy. This use of social media as a political participation space welcomes more direct public participation in decision making. It has slowly transitioned our representative democratic system into one of pure democracy in the virtual realm. A representative democracy works well because checks and balances of institutions and elected officials chosen by the people help balance the need for secrecy versus transparency in democracy through oversight, compromise, and respect for U.S. law. The media also serves as an important liaison between the government and the public. There are a number of challenges of this virtual pure form of democracy. Firstly, how do we apply institutional checks and balances to the virtual realm of this democratic space? And how do representatives talk on behalf of their citizens when, with all the US citizen noise coming from each individual? This direct participation in the virtual democratic space bypasses the importance of journalism as well and the role of the media to fully research world developments and liaison between government transparency and openness. Furthermore, this also causes a situation of chaos with numerous inputs risking that could risk paralyzing the ability for the U.S. government to make decisions. And it also perpetuates the divisiveness of social media factioning. So thirdly, in looking at the relationship with information, um, millennials increasingly use social media as a key source of news to stay informed. Um, a, a U.S. public of informed citizens is certainly pivotal for not only dom domestic purposes in voting and participation in civil society, but also in understanding domestic and foreign threats to the United States. The increased use of the internet to stay informed necessitates the need for the US public to be able to appropriately validate the sources of information, which is very difficult to do in the virtual or digital realm. 
The main challenge to validate information on the internet is a tendency to believe that the quantity of likes, views, and followers impacts the quality or truthfulness of the information. The digital environment of social media and search engines use algorithms of trends, likes, and clicks to prioritize information and impact what sources come up first upon a web search. US adversaries have already shown their ability to control these trends in social media through trend distribution, trend hacking, and trend creation. In Russian attempts to influence the 2016 election, it was able to exploit these algorithms and command the trend of persuasion, discussion, and discourse via social media. The control over trends allows for the ease of amplifying a message to spread propaganda, turning users that retweet or share this propaganda into agents of influence, willingly or unwillingly. Furthermore, general internet searches are vulnerable in the same exact way. Take, for example, the ODNI report that covered Russian interference in the U.S. election. Searching ODNI report in early 2017 on Google resulted in top listings consisting of Russia's state-sponsored news articles criticizing the ODNI and identifying Russian as, Russia as the main culprit in influencing the election. This occurrence demonstrates how Russia uses bots and trolls to affect the prioritization of knowledge, and that's what seems most truthful. There are a number of challenges to this besides just that it's horrific. Um, the difficulty in validating information received through the internet presents these threats to an informed US public in perceiving the reality of global threats. Source validation is certainly a key part of the intelligence community. And what this, what this calls for now is that public citizens need to become analysts, especially given the minimized role of journalism between the government and the people themselves. So in addition to looking at the millennial relationship with information, I also looked at the rise of emotional reasoning and the use of social, and how social media has created echo chambers. Not only do millennials use this space for communication, news, and political participation, but this space has also given rise to emotional reasoning, which is defined as letting your feelings guide your interpretation of reality. The sharing culture of passion was exaggerated by the onset of Facebook status updates, asking, what are you feeling today? And the rise of tweets. In national security, emotions are not, well, in national security and in general, emotions are not reliable as they, quote, distort reality, deprive us of insight, and damage relationships. The U.S. intelligence community incorporates and emphasizes the use of structured analytical techniques in intelligence analysis for exactly this reason. Structured analytical techniques help prevent cognitive biases, instincts, emotions, and past experiences from influencing the way, the way that analysts perceive the, re the reality and threats in national security. The main drivers behind this emotional reasoning is certainly the sharing culture of social media and how it formulates echo chambers. Apart from using social media to build a network of friends, follow different ideas and trends, and to connect with other users of similar interests, social media also allows user, users to, quote, become in const within specific self-selected groups, which means that news and views are shared nearly exclusively with like-minded users. In self-selecting your environment, social media users also have the option to unfollow certain ideas or trends or unfriend certain individuals to self-select the ideas that they are exposed to, thus limiting opposing opinions. Echo chambers. Social media echo chambers exacerbate the divisiveness of the American people while hindering open discussion to find compromise on a middle ground. 
In many ways, these echo chambers are a digital form of factions in American society, a topic James Madison wrote at length about in the Federalist Papers, Federalist Papers 10, most specifically. Um, Madison noted that the formation of factions is a normal occurrence, given the freedom of thought and association in democracies. But open discussion, debate, exposure to other ideas, and representative democracy is crucial to find compromise and prevent growing divisiveness among the American people. So how do millennial behaviors in social media echo chambers, uh, how do millennial behaviors in social media echo chambers and the rise of emotional reasoning prevent, present challenges to US national security? Firstly, echo chambers lead individuals to be too, become too unified in a certain idea without exposure of opposing viewpoints. The ability of an individual to choose a surrounding community in the digital space helps one make the news and environment fit one's own expectation of how the world works or should work. Secondly, the culture of sharing and echo chambers risks users from becoming agents of influence for US adversaries, since users endorse others' feelings and postings through retweets and shares to their friends and followers. Thirdly, Echo chambers are a perfect space for US adversaries to spread propaganda. The atomization of communities on social media platforms allows for adversaries to effectively use pandering in its messaging, tailoring its chosen angle to each echo chamber on a platform that by structure aggregates personal information and interest. And lastly, the tweeting and sharing culture of millennials and US politicians allows for US adversaries to conduct operational testing to understand how leaders and the US public process information. For example, the US Naval War College professor, Tom Nichols, warned the following. The vault of information that is the internet and President Trump's use of Twitter provides a window into how the president processes information and how he doesn't process information he doesn't like. This is vital intelligence for US adversaries and the US public is using this space in exactly the same way. So in looking ahead, um, I'd just like to end um, with saying that another kind of topic that presented itself while doing this research um, and something that I'd like to expand on going forward um, is how institutions work within this digital realm, especially if US citizens and millennials are going to be using it as a democratic polit political participation space. This question is really important for national security as well because government institutions check and balance the wavering pathos of the American people but are also arguably the most important element of the national security apparatus in providing proper oversight and checks and ensuring that the government acts within the values and laws of the US, of the United States. Research. Um, have you seen anything, or did you stumble on anything relating to the uh, shine coming off of social media? Specifically, as, uh, as you know, it was very appealing for a number of years. But most recently, with the, with the Russian attempt of the Russian influence on the elections, of course, there are people finding that, that Google actually is trying to make money and they're selling their information. Uh, Facebook you know, has got a lot of negative news in the past year. Um, so has anything published about that having an effect on millennials? Perhaps it's not as attractive as it was before social media. I don't think it's necessarily been any less attractive, but what we have found is social media platforms like Facebook, for example, are hiring intelligence analysts, um, which are 
which is kind of scary in a way. If you're interested more in this topic, I would suggest reading the book Life War um, by Robert Singer. Um, <laughs> because he specifically goes into how this presents another danger in having corporations decide how the flow of information um, or what the flow of information is within the social media space. Um, so he touches extensively on that exact question. Yeah. Rachel, off of life work. Um, I heard Dr. Singer speak last week, and he, like you just said, he said, um, heavy lies the ground when looking at a solution for this issue of information overload and millennials especially just absorbing information at face value. And he said, how do you control it? Well, heavy lies the crown. And that goes back to Facebook recently, Mark Zuckerberg saying, we're going to shut out this government, um, or we're going to, all of social media, not all, there's no social media giants to shut out white national media. So do you see the leaders of social media taking a more active role to try and stem things like bots and troll farms from Russia? Do you see it as a losing battle? How do you see us getting through this. The, the, problem with, the problem with blocking propaganda is that the only way to do it is censorship. And that's outside of our, that's not within our values as a nation. So I think that um, two things, I think we're going to have to beat this information war with, with more information and teach our generation, um, the future generations, how to better uh, source the information that they're, that they're looking at online. Um, because if we do things like that, then again, we're, we're acting outside our values. And, and acting within your values is a very important element of not only our school, but also in, in developing national security. Um, so that would, yeah. This is challenging. I was telling someone that this is almost like getting up on my soapbox. It's like I have so much to say about this topic, and some of it's constructive and some of it isn't. So, um, well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you.